the mystery history podcast i'm allison i'm rachel welcome to episode 93 on the disappearance of brian schaefer this is another one that's close to home it is very close i don't think i've heard of this before either i listened to true crime garage which is another podcast that i used to be like super heavy into about seven years ago and that was the first time I ever heard anything about him. And their episode completely like shook me. Like it's so scary. It's just the, the it's unknown. Weird that, yeah. It's just weird that I didn't hear about it and you didn't hear about it. Cause he's like the same age as us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's close. Very close. And P.S. My cat's in heat. So you might hear her like <laughs> yowling. Yowling. <laughs> So my apologies. I can't control her. She's yeah. looking for something I can't give her. And <laughs> this is just how we're gonna live our lives this episode. She's just upset. She yeah. is. <laughs> Not um, having a good time. So yeah, but whenever they did this episode, it was like fresh. Like it had happened not just that happened. long ago. Yeah. And this is, you know, considerably older now, still not too far off but uh so there's probably a few more developments that they might not have had um but for anybody who likes true crime which probably a lot of people that listen to us true crime garage is a really good one i haven't listened to it lately um since i'm sure that they've gotten better and 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 things like that with their quality and and they were always never bad they were always pretty good Uh, but i just Mm -hmm. haven't listened to see what they've grown to be now i think they're pretty up there in the charts so they're yeah but they are they're a good group to listen to before we get into this let's talk some business let's we don't have like a ton no not really yeah like like share subscribe as always we appreciate it yes please if you have apple give us a five-star review please yeah or you could be like somebody else on instagram and say that we're intolerable (laughs) which which kind of made my day (laughs) and I really loved the way the comment was worded because it was like I love your content but your hosts are intolerable and first of all I just love the word intolerable to describe us because like sometimes you are yeah but also like who do you think is posting the content content. (laughs) you're you're intolerable hosts well maybe maybe (laughs) we're all the same person (laughs) maybe she just thinks that we're like wow rolling in the dough we're too high up to to touch it social media yeah (laughs) and hey if that's what she thinks we're doing good all right yeah but yeah But no, in reality, we post our own content and we're glad that you like it. And we're sorry we're intolerable. It happens. I get it. I get it. It, it I kind of find us intolerable also. So yeah, but some people like 2% really enjoy it. And that's who we're doing it for. Yeah. So thank you guys. Uh, But yeah, intolerable is definitely going into my vocab like more than it ever has been before because you forget about that word. Yeah, it's a good adjective to really describe. Awesome, a lot of other things. Speaking of us being intolerable, uh, the t-shirt giveaway that we talked about a few episodes ago, yeah. we forgot about. Goats. Goats and the goats. Oh. 
we didn't post anything about it. We just like mentioned it in one episode and then we're like, (laughs) gone, gone forever. We thought that our, we thought our social media people were going to take care of it. We're going to handle that. And they didn't. No, drop the ball, drop the ball on that one. Uh, So we're going to make a post tomorrow when this episode airs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yep. And then uh, we will pick a winner March 4th. So we will actually announce the winner on that day um, and to, to join or to be included in the giveaway, whatever, uh, you just need to join our Patreon. We have two tiers, a $2 tier and a $5 tier. Um, you get the week episode, you get merch codes, things like that, and just general support for the show. So we can pay that lousy, um, lousy social media media person yeah (laughs) anyways but yeah so whoops we'll put we'll get that posted that's all you have to do is join patreon to be included and yeah it'll be exciting oh and if you join you get a sticker and a love letter too yeah yeah and and anybody who's already a patreon they're already included in the giveaway so we'll add your name you don't have to do anything you're already included um and good luck to all indeed all right on business yeah all right so the disappearance of brian schieffer uh brian grew up in pickerington ohio which is a suburb outside of columbus and was the oldest of two sons to randy and renee schieffer brian graduated from high school in 1997 and then went to ohio state university for his undergrad six years later in 2003 he graduated with a degree in microbiology so I'm mistaken. He's actually not that close to our age. Uh, he just went to school for a lot, long time. <laughs> yeah, he's smart. He's a smart cookie. After that, Brian continued his education at OSU College of Medicine in 2004. Unfortunately, during his second year in 2006, his mother died of myelodysplasia, which is a form of blood cancer. His friends say that he gave an outward appearance that he was okay, but her death was, of course, really hard on him. Uh, on all of the the Schaefer family. During his time in med school, Brian dated another medical student, Alexis Wagner. Things were getting pretty serious between them, and she believed he would be proposing to her soon, most likely on a trip that they had planned to go on uh, to Miami during spring break in April of 2006. Brian really liked the beach and a tropical setting, so he was really excited about this spring break trip. He liked relaxed lifestyles, and he told his friends that even though he went back to medical school, he really wanted to just drop it all and start a band playing different kind of music similar to Jimmy Buffett. That's quite the career change. It is. Two very different um, personalities, I guess. He's probably just tired of school. I mean, that Man, is I'd a be lot tired of school. of school. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time to be in school. So March 31st, 2006, cl- classes at OSU ended and spring break was the following week. Brian and his father, Randy, had went out that evening to enjoy a steak dinner to celebrate the end of school. Randy saw that Brian was exhausted and had spent many nights earlier in the week pulling all-nighters and cramming for his exams. Brian was planning on going out with a friend, William Clint Florence, later that night. And Randy didn't think Brian should go since he was so tired, but he didn't tell Brian that. So around 9 p.m., Brian met Clint at the Ugly Tuna Saluna, which I love that name. Saluna. Saluna. (laughs) 
which was a bar in the South Campus Gateway Complex of High Street in Columbus. After about an hour later, Brian called Alexis, who had just returned to her home in Toledo to visit with family before her and Brian went on their trip to Miami. So after the phone call, Brian went back with Clint and the two bar hopped down the strip, working their way to the arena district. If you've ever been to Columbus, the arena district, that's where the Blue Jackets play. There's tons of bars everywhere. At each stop, they would take a shot of hard liquor, which will Oh, no. We know that's a bad idea. (laughs) Been there, done that. Not fun. Not a good (laughs) time. Never a good idea. (laughs) After midnight, Brian and Clint met Meredith Reed, who was a friend of Clint's in the short north. Meredith gave them a ride back to the Ugly Tuna Saluna, where they had first started their night, and joined them for a last round of drinks. While the three were there, Brian wandered off from the group. So this is just a bad, like situation shots at every bar which there are tons of bars so i don't even know what that total number would be but it'd be super high like alcohol poisoning type situation do you remember your bachelorette party i do because that's what we did i know and that was stupid we almost died (laughs) we had but a friendly bartender kept us inside and safe from the dangerous yeah. going goings ons outside. And right. That's why we're alive today. It is why we're alive today. I love that bar owner. He was wonderful. We were what how old were we? Like 21, 21 I right? think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had not <laughs> been out <laughs> no. very much. And for some reason that seemed like a good idea. And yeah, it was the end of the night and they had kicked everybody else out. And he was like, You guys stay here until your ride comes. <laughs> do yeah. not go outside and he literally like made sure we got in the car which he somebody water. needed to do yeah he was feeding yeah. us water good guy really good guy and that's the kind of people you want to meet while you're drinking is yeah. good people and sometimes that's, that doesn't happen that's not the tent night right no no, no. that was a different night yeah okay yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my goodness anyways and then yeah somebody wandering off not that's good. never good you always mm-hmm. have to go in pairs even if you're yeah. a guy like women typically do that anyway but if you're that intoxicated like bring a buddy always yeah a buddy 100%. system anything could happen so clinton meredith searched for brian and repeatedly called him they left at 2 a.m when the bar closed and waited outside for brian who they assumed would come out with the rest of the customers Brian did not exit the bar, so the two thought maybe he had left and gone back to his apartment without letting them know, which would be extremely rude. That would be very rude, because your friends would be so worried about you. As it seems they were. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Later that weekend, both his father and girlfriend tried to call Brian, but he never answered. Monday morning, he missed the flight to Miami he had scheduled with Alexis. He was then reported missing to the police. So... That was a pretty big thing to miss. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, of course, when the police got involved and they began their search at the Ugly Tuna Saluna where he had last been seen. The South Campus Gateway had a high crime rate and the bar had installed security cameras as a precaution. So they reviewed the footage and it showed Brian, Clint, and Meredith going up the escalator to the bar's main entrance at around 1.15 a.m., it showed Brian outside the bar at 1.55 a.m. talking with two young women saying goodbye. Then he moved off camera in the direction of the bar, looking like he was going to go back in. Okay. The camera did not see him leaving the bar when it closed. 
So, I, and I, I looked for video footage um, and I've got some screenshot stills of, of the security footage. It's really, I mean, it was what, 2006. So, I mean, it's not like they are today. It's kind of hard to see. You can see bodies. You can't really make out specific features in a lot of the video that they show. He's looking away from the camera. So you can't really mm-hmm. see his face. Um, it seems like you wouldn't be able to see his face anyways. Cause like yeah, you can see he, in some of these, somebody is looking at the camera and you can't really make out their features or nope, anything. Nope. And yeah, you can just, and I think it's probably most um, able to be seen because the three of them are together, Brian, Meredith and Clint. So you can mm-hmm. spot three people together as a group a lot easier than you can just a one-off person who's wearing Uh, looks like a gray shirt and jeans I mean that's pretty not much (laughs) no yeah there's nothing really that would make him stand out so investigators thought it was possible that Brian could have changed his clothes in the bar put on a hat or had his head low hiding his face from the camera or it might have been something as simple as the camera just missing him or him coming and going The bar did have one other exit that was used by the public, but during this time it was under construction and officers believed it would be hard to exit there while sober, nevertheless, while intoxicated. So just to make sure I'm understanding this, they have footage of him coming in. They have footage of him outside the bar later, but they don't have footage of him coming back into the bar, even though it looked like he was headed back into the bar. Cause it seems like these, these grabs that you have, if that's the entrance into the bar, they should have seen him coming back in. Right. So yes, that is how I understand it as well, that they saw him come in initially. They saw him leave to make a phone call. Then they saw, then they, they, they didn't catch anything else of, of him mm-hmm. leaving, coming, nothing. So it kind of seems like he didn't go back into the bar. It, that's a possibility. Correct. Okay. Um, and then like with the, the shitty pixelation of the cameras, I mean, who knows that guy walking away on the escalator of the screen grab I have could have been him. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> he, does, like, he looks like he, it is? he might be bald, but if he had hair, who knows? He's wearing the really exact same stuff that Brian is wearing. Yeah. Similar for sure. And if it was like a big group of people coming in, like very yeah. easily could have like blended in with them or yep. coming or going. So Columbus, Ohio, which is something I didn't know, has the most security cameras out of any city in Ohio, including Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Toledo combined. What? Yeah. I was, I didn't know. I mean, it is the capital, but I didn't, I didn't know that. That's a lot. Officers were hopeful some camera somewhere, be it from that bar, another bar, would have saw him somewhere. They soon started looking at other bars that surrounded the area to see if they could locate him, but they, again, saw no trace of him. So it's like he just literally disappeared. Disappeared. Now, the search widened and officers and police dogs started combing the area. They looked throughout the streets, in dumpsters, and they started interviewing residents to see if they um, had seen Brian. Flyers were made and distributed in the area with Brian's face. Um, There was a heavy focus on his eye color, which had flecks in his iris and a picture of the tattoo he had on his upper right arm showing a stick figure logo from the Alive Pearl Jam album, which uh, Pearl Jam was his favorite band, is his favorite band. 
Miles away from the ugly tuna saluna, the search continued. Since Brian's mother recently had passed, they thought maybe he had gone away to grieve her death by himself, but his long disappearance without contacting anyone made police believe that there was some foul play involved. Those that had seen Brian that evening, including Randy, his father, was asked to take lie detector tests. Meredith and Randy passed the test, but Clint, for some reason, refused to take one, which is super suspect. Why? Why? If you went missing, I would be the first one in line for a lie. Like, I would be wanting to do everything in my power. Whatever you can. Absolutely. So that's very strange. Weird. Yeah. And he never says why he refused. Not right now. No. So the Mm. police tracked down the two women who Brian was outside seen talking to um, of the bar. But as of 2009, they were never asked to take a lie detector test. So the police did not think that they had anything to do with anything other than saying goodbye. Which I mean, I feel like at this point, why wouldn't you try to contact them and have them come in and do one i mean i don't know i don't really know what a lie detector tests don't really it doesn't do anything anything. for me no because they aren't you can't even use them in court so i I don't i don't really see the allure of that but yeah yeah maybe it just freaks people out to like give you an in on getting them to confess or something i don't know but I mean, it would be nerve wracking, even if you weren't guilty. It's just like taking a drug test. Even if you know that you have never taken a drug in your life and you go pee in that cup, you're like, oh my God, what Uh, if I took some? Yeah. Like I slipped and fell and crack went up my nose. It was terrible. Like, I I don't know. know. It's yeah, I know. That's so that always goes same with like pregnancy tests. Like if you take those at the doctor before stuff, I'm always like, I'm probably pregnant, even though I couldn't possibly be Right. like, I mean, I could, but I, yeah, whatever. But yeah, I always do that. I'm like, oh, this is definitely whatever. All right. So Alexis called Brian's phone every night before she went to bed for a very long time after he disappeared. As always, it went straight to voicemail, except for one night in September. When did he go missing in June? went missing no 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 and it was spring break spring break yeah so So is that like when was that march march yeah oh man okay so the phone rang yeah so the phone rang three times on this september evening alexis says i kept calling it to hear it purely because it was one of the best sounds i've ever heard even if no one picked up brian's phone company singular said that it may have just been a computer glitch A ping from the phone was detected at a cell tower in Hilliard that was 14 miles northwest of Columbus. Does that not mean call all the troops in to look for this phone? (sighs) Cell tower pings are hard, but yeah, I mean, I would think so. That would give you, I mean, I know that cell towers could cover a pretty wide area. And that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean it's bodies with the phone, but it would give you something else to go on i doubt you can find a phone like that like from one ping on a tower or whatever because the phones aren't the same back then as they are now where you can like find a location yeah yeah Yeah, but that's that's probably still it shows that his phone was there which in hilliard yeah 
That's weird. Police continued to search for any tips that came in, but there were no breakthroughs in the case. At a Pearl Jam concert later that year in Cincinnati, lead singer Eddie Vedder took time between his songs to ask for tips and Brian's disappearance. That's pretty cool. I hear Eddie Vedder's kind of a dick. So that's nice. I could see that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know him, but I could see. But that is, that's a pretty nice gesture right there to use your voice that millions hear to try to find this young man you don't know. Um, right. There were tips of possible Brian sightings in Michigan, Texas, and Sweden, random, but nothing concrete came of them. He looks like, um, like people. Exactly. You know, I know like exactly what you mean. Like a young man that like you can see on the street anywhere and be like, oh my gosh, that looks like him. Like he has very people features. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen him as an actor on CSI or like, you know, he's just one of those kind of fill in normal, good looking gentlemen. Uh Yeah. Huh. So Randy Schaefer continued to search for his son after just losing his wife. He couldn't bear the thought of losing his son too. Randy went to a psychic who told him that Brian's body was um, near a bridge pier. He and Derek, Brian's younger brother, along with some people who had been interested in the case, bought waders and spent a lot of their free time along the shores of the Olentangy River that flows through Columbus and is adjacent to the OSU campus. They looked extra hard around bridges. The possibility also led police to consider that Brian was possibly murdered by the smiley face killer. And Brian's body would have been the only one of the smiley face killers victims who were not, who was not found. Columbus PD eventually rejected the connection after several law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, looked into the theory. And I do have the FBI put a missing person alert out for Brian with his statistics and everything like that and pictures of him and picture of his tattoo. Um, so I will post that, but it's. whenever I was on this website, like then I went to the Ohio, just Ohio specifically, not the FBI, but missing persons in Ohio, there was like 310 pages of missing, like with 50 people or hundred people on each page, just Mm -hmm. in Ohio. Like that is so heartbreaking to me. I could never imagine not knowing where your loved one is a friend. Like if you just disappeared tomorrow, I don't know how like to carry on. Yeah. You'd always be like, maybe if I just turn around, they'll be there one day, you know, it's just the, the hope that you have to keep having, even though as the time goes on, it gets, you know, yeah. It's sad. Okay. So in September 2008, Randy, Brian's father, was out in his yard cleaning up his home in Baltimore, Ohio, as a heavy windstorm was coming through. So he was trying to collect all of the stuff that had blown into his yard, tie things down. Whenever he was doing this, a branch blew off a nearby tree and struck Randy, killing him instantly. His neighbors found his body the next morning and called police. That's so awful. This whole family, like the mother dying of cancer, the son disappearing, like now this tragedy, that's Mm -hmm. what a hard time. A lot of tragedy close together. Yeah. So after his obituary ran online, 
you know, those condolence books that you can sign virtually was posted. One of the signatures in the book said to dad love Brian. And it was posted in the U S Virgin islands. This suggested that Brian might have fled Columbus and ran to build a new life somewhere else. However, Police investigated this posting and found that the note had been posted from a computer used by the public in Franklin County, which suggested that it was just a hoax. And whoever did that is the sickest person ever. Like, that's so sad and mean. And Franklin County is Columbus, so it would have been somewhere like somebody close by to, oh, that is disgusting. Yeah, because I'm sure like- does that? I'm sure in Columbus, this- was a lot more prevalent than it was here in Dayton because it just happened there. So people probably knew and people are idiots. And that's so like the hope that they probably, yeah, the hope that they gave to their families and loved ones. Like that's just ridiculous. Shortly after Randy's death, Neil Rosenberg, who is Clint's attorney had written to Don Corbett, a private investigator who had volunteered his time to help the Schaefer family find Brian regarding Clint's refusal to take the lie detector test. Rosenberg told him that he had learned the Columbus PD believed that Brian was alive. In April, 2009, the Lantern OSU's student newspaper posted the exchange between Rosenberg to Corbett, which Rosenberg said, if Brian is alive, which is what I'm led to believe after speaking with the detective involved, then it is Brian and not Clint who is causing his family pain and hardship. Brian should come forward and end this. Clint said he did not have anything to hide. He merely told everything he knew from the beginning and did not see the value of doing so again. Many accused Clint of not being forthcoming enough. Yeah. Because you, so they're trying to pass blame that Brian's alive just being mean, which I'm sure like after your father passes away, you would go to the funeral. Like, I just feel like. I mean, I don't know if there was a reason for him to leave and hide like that, then maybe, maybe, maybe not if he was involved in craziness, maybe it seemed, maybe he doesn't like his family. I mean, who knows? There's a million things for why somebody could want to disappear. Um, and if it was good enough reason, then yeah, they wouldn't come back for, you know, a funeral or whatever, if they made the decision to leave and, and police are looking for them and things like that. But I don't know if that Clint person knows that, then what's the harm in being like, yeah, he is in hiding. Right. He doesn't want to see you people, but from, and, and, you know, you have to take everything at face value, what you read, because you weren't there, you aren't in their family. You don't know what's going on, but from everything Mm -hmm. I've seen, it appears that Brian was super close with both of his parents. And, and mm. maybe, you know, the, the death of his mother did throw him into source, some sort of tizzy where he just needed to get away and process things and, and not even, even another layer. So let's say Brian did have a hard time with the death of his mother, went somewhere just to be off the grid for a little bit, had plans on coming back, but then mm-hmm. something else tragic happened and he was murdered or hurt or something like that and didn't make it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many possibilities with a missing persons thing situation that this Clint guy seems suspicious F though. Yeah. Because who cares? Even if you feel like you've told the truth from the beginning, if somebody asked me to do a a lie detector test, yeah. Why not? 
what do you, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? Because you're hiding something. Yep. <laughs> so Derek, which is Brian's brother, said that as soon as the detective started getting involved, that's when he pretty much had no contact with anybody. He's talking about Clint. Okay. So it was just very weird. He said, I've always thought he definitely knows something. He just won't come forward with it. Derek believes that Brian might still be alive out there and that Clint might know where he is. He says, if Brian did take off somewhere, if that is the case, we just always had a strong feeling that Clint would possibly know that. And what a, I mean, if, if you're Brian and you do go away and you have to witness all of these people, like having such a hard time, (laughs) I don't know Mm -hmm. if I could keep that secret. I don't know. I don't feel like I could either, but like I said, you don't know everybody's relationship. I find it kind of interesting that his brother says that he believes Brian might still be alive and that Clint might know where he is. I wonder if that means he thinks Brian ran off or that he thinks like he's being held captive somewhere. Uh, Clint could be, yeah, just because he's alive doesn't mean he's in a good situation. Right. I don't know. That's weird. Alexis, Brian's girlfriend at the time of his disappearance, also believes that Clint is withholding information, but believes that her former boyfriend is dead and did not run off. She states that she couldn't imagine he would have done that. I mean, which is what you would want. To of believe. course not. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like, of course, you can't believe that he would just run off and not come back when you're still around. Mm-hmm. Yep. In 2014, Columbus PD said that they were still receiving at least two tips a month on the case via the local Crime Stoppers hotline, though none of them came to anything. All of the evidence of the case filled only four file boxes. So there is not a lot of anything to go on. It is literally like he just poof, gone. Um, One of the original investigators, Andre Edwards, told the Columbus Monthly that after extensive review of the camera footage at the Ugly Tuna Saluna from the night of Brian's disappearance was supposed to rule out the idea that Brian could have left while disguised, but he couldn't confirm with 100% certainty that Schaefer did not just leave via the escalator. So he, they, they believe maybe he could have actually put on a disguise or maybe that he just literally walked out the, the door. I mean... And I couldn't see him. That is so bizarre. Yeah. Police said that they have three theories about the case, but they declined to discuss them even generally, like no, nothing (laughs) with the magazine. So there's nothing to go on there. I feel like they need to be watching. I would like to watch the footage (laughs) from all of the cameras. Can you? No. Just the escalator footage? Yeah. I mean, and what they're willing to share. You know okay, what was so it's posted. Not like full footage no. of the whole. Yeah, that's what I would like to see him like come up. I'd like to see him because they should have had footage of him leaving to right. go outside, which it didn't say that in the notes, but I'm assuming they do. And then talking to the girls, and then I mean, there's got to be, I don't know, whatever. It feels like there's got to be something missing from all this footage that is available, and especially if it's on High Street, that place is like loaded with things going on. So there should be a camera. Somewhere, somewhere outside of that because yeah i would imagine if you're on high street and you're drinking at the bars they can see you all the way to like your car you mm-hmm. know like there's i don't know stuff everywhere <laughs> so it's weird in 2019 
an image of an alleged American homeless man in Tijuana, Mexico, with a resemblance of Brian, started being posted online. Columbus News Station 10TV forwarded the image to the detective in charge of Brian's case in 2020. The detective sent the image to the FBI for facial recognition analysis, which ruled him out as the identity of the man. It's, I will post a photo. I, I don't really see it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking. He, he looks like a regular guy. It's really hard. It's, it could be him. Yeah, it's a decent looking homeless man. Yeah, I mean, he's got beautiful <laughs> eyes and yeah. gray and brown thing going on. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I could see the resemblance that. sort of. Yeah. It kind of looks different. To me. Who knows? But he could have gotten reconstructive surgery. Yeah. <laughs> In March yeah. 2021, 15 years after Brian's disappearance, the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation released an age progress photo of what Brian might look like at that point, being 42 years old. So we'll post that as well. And still to this day, if anyone with information about the case, um, anybody that has information about the case is asked to call the Columbus Division of Police at 614-645-2358. So it's still, I mean, it'll be open open until it's closed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, there is such a lack of information. Yeah. Yeah. And and also one thing I do want to mention that's not in the notes because I searched forever trying to find something. So I use, let me sign my sources. So I use wiki.com, columbusnavigator.com, grunge.com, fbi.gov, and ohioattorneygeneral.gov. That's the last one is where I saw all those. Oh, and ranker.com. Ohio attorney general is where I saw all of the missing people that made me super sad. Um, but then there was something on wiki that said that that Brian's father Randy had gotten together and tried to pass a bill to um, make like statewide missing persons be more like to make them easier to say that they're missing and then have all of the states like get to see the information Um, but I looked everywhere to try to find this law that or this bill that turned into a law I could not find it so let me just I'm going to read verbatim off of wiki here for this one moment um it says between Schaefer's disappearance and his own death Randy joined the families of other missing adults in Ohio in lobbying the state legislator to pass a bill establishing a statewide protocol for such cases So it doesn't really like give much at exactly what the bill is, (laughs) Um, but it says at the time Schaefer disappeared, it was left up to individual departments to handle the case. And some parents felt that investigations into their relatives disappearance had suffered as a result. By the time Randy had died, the bill had become a law. So, oh, well, look at this. 
The National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, which is NAMIS, was created to meet that need in collaboration with NIJ, the National Forensic Science Technology Center, and Occupational Research and Assessment, developed and launched the NAMIS Unidentified Person Database in 2007. The following year, the NAMIS Missing Persons Database was launched, and in 2009, the databases were connected for automatic case comparisons, expanding the power of NAMIS to make associations between people. So that lines up. So that's cool. Yeah. So great. Cause I, I did see that also, but it didn't have his name. Like I figured if I Googled, yeah, Randy Schaefer, some, or Brian Schaefer, something good that happened from his, you know, something would be linked, but there really Mm -hmm. isn't. And I don't know if that's because maybe multiple parents were involved, but yeah. So it sounds like that was probably something good that came from this, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's rough. It's hard. I mean, I can't imagine not knowing where my brother is for that many years. Cause you know, that's really who's left right now that is like missing him. And I feel bad for his brother also because now he's by himself. But yeah. Oh, that's just sad. I just couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't imagine like not knowing where a family member or close friend or any friend is for that long and then too just like having people be like oh he's still alive he just is like in hiding like right right well, that yeah, would he, be awful <laughs> so so yeah Derek is in this world by himself now that's terrible yeah in in a really short time span too yeah to lose like everybody that's really difficult super sad but Very yeah sad. so so hopefully I mean somebody somewhere has to know something. Um, Mm -hmm. So use that phone number. If you have any tips, I'm sure they would um, gladly take them and see where they go. Um, And then we'll post that age progression photo too, to see what he could possibly look like this year. Good deal. So, all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode 93 on the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Bye. Bye.